Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hi, everyone. My name is Neha Zuffer, and I will be your host today for this pharmacy leadership podcast. I'm currently a first-year health system pharmacy administration and leadership resident at Houston Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas, and I had the opportunity to serve on the New Practitioners Forum Leadership Development Advisory Group this year. Our goal is to advance the evolving and informational needs of new practitioner members, and one of those needs we identified is the importance of emotional intelligence in pharmacy leadership. We'll discuss a variety of items today, ranging from foundational definitions to practical advice for new practitioners to develop in this area. So with me today is Nathan Hansen, the Division Director of Pharmacy Operations for Health Trust Supply Chain. Nathan, I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself as well. Thank you, Neha. So I also serve on the New and Emerging Leaders Section Advisory Group for ASHP, and so I'm really looking forward to the conversation. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. So we'll go ahead and get started with our first question. So Nathan, how do you define emotional intelligence? I like to use Daniel Goleman's definition because I think he sums it up really well. He says that emotional intelligence is the ability to manage our own emotions and handle our relationships with others. He then goes on to further break it down into 12 aspects of managing yourself and 13 aspects of handling your relationships. And so if you aren't familiar with this topic, uh, just imagine things like self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, social skills, um, all of these are the things that make up emotional intelligence. All right, awesome for covering those grounds for us. So what exactly is the importance of emotional intelligence in a role of pharmacy leadership? I think you can safely say that emotional intelligence is the most important attribute that a leader can possess. First of all, leadership is hard. I've personally found that after I've learned the basic skills of my job, most of the rest of the difficult things I encounter are related to managing my emotions and my attitudes. When I'm facing deadlines or really difficult or unpleasant work, I need self-control. I need conscientiousness, commitment, initiative, and optimism. We know that healthcare is constantly changing. And so we have to have adaptability and innovation and self-confidence. The ability to manage your attitudes and your energy day in and day out creates a huge advantage for a leader. And the other reason that emotional intelligence is so important is because leadership is all about people and healthcare is all about people. No matter what role you play, you're working with people. As leaders, our teams will share really important and personal information with us. And so we need to be able to listen and understand and make them feel valued. And that's a skill. We also need to be able to develop others, to serve our teams and our customers, and to leverage diversity. You won't be able to get support for new initiatives or programs if you don't have political awareness. And our interdisciplinary teams require excellent collaboration skills. So again, all of these are aspects and dimensions of emotional intelligence. And of course, conflict will come. And as leaders, we're the ones that are responsible for wading into that conflict 
and bringing the situation to a peaceful resolution. In healthcare, we've talked a lot about resilience and burnout recently. And I think that it's impossible to be resilient if you don't have emotional intelligence. We have to be aware of our emotions. We have to know our own strengths and our limitations so that we know how to take care of ourselves. So to summarize, emotional intelligence is important because leaders must be able to manage themselves well, and they must be able to handle a variety of relationships artfully. It really is one of the areas that a new practitioner can emphasize for their own personal growth. I like to say that if you can excel in these areas, you will definitely do well in your career. It's what separates you know, a, a bad leader from a good one and a good leader from an excellent leader. So it's important, but it's certainly not easy. And, and actually it's very common for new practitioners to struggle with balancing this emotional intelligence as they're developing new relationships with colleagues. So now I'm, I'm interested to know what your experiences have been like in residency so far. Yeah, of course. So I think in residency, we're given a lot of opportunities, especially to develop in self-awareness. So our preceptors constantly encourage us to identify our own strengths and weaknesses by self-evaluation and then comparing that to feedback we may get from other people who we work with, like our other preceptors and colleagues. So we definitely get a lot of guidance in that realm. But I think especially in a pharmacy administration residency, a lot of times we're involved with implementing new processes or changes in a department based on projects that we work on. But it's also important for us to understand how those changes are affecting staff members and the overall workflow, especially if there are large scale changes. Then we're also, as new practitioners and new residents, we're developing these new relationships with pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, both on the operational and on the clinical and direct patient care sides. Sometimes it's difficult to navigate being a part of the team that's making changes, but also being a part of the team that's seeing those changes and how it affects our day-to-day -day workflow. Because the thing is, when you're a resident or a new practitioner, your immediate thought is that you want everyone to like you. Everyone you work with has to be a fan of you. And even though in reality, we know that's not necessarily possible. So there's a mixture of emotions that I've experienced so far in residency. So I'd love to hear your reflections on your own personal experiences, especially when you were a new practitioner and potentially give us any advice on how you overcame any similar thoughts that you had. Oh, that's, that's so good. And it sounds like your preceptors are really really uh, tuned into this and helping you to develop. And that's awesome. It really helps set, set the stage very well. And as you told those stories, it just reminded me, I, I flashed back to my own HSPAL residency. And just the first time where I worked on a project to improve something, I figured it all out. I had it all planned. I took it to the team, you know, to the staff meeting. I unveiled my, you know, my wonderful idea, and they shot it down. And <laughs> I remember thinking, wait, wait, no, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Like, you're supposed <laughs> to applaud right here. And so it's, it really is, you know, the figuring out what to do in the project was the easy part. And the hard part was the explaining it and communicating it, helping them to understand the why, uh, helping to understand their concerns and maybe fears about the project and how to roll it out in a way that would be uh, successful. And so that was my first real taste of, wow, this is, this is kind of hard stuff. And uh, from there, I just have continued to learn that 
um, the, the emotional intelligence side is so crucial to, to being successful in, in any realm of leadership. And it's funny because, you know, I assumed I was pretty good at this, right? We all assume that we're easy to get along with. We all assume we're pretty level-headed. And we frankly just assume that everyone else sees the world the same way that we do. Um, but I have found that uh, I have some areas where I need to grow. And I have found that there are some, some areas that I need to, con that I have strengths and I'm good at, but that I need to continue to focus on. And um, I also found that as my leadership responsibilities expanded, uh, that I, I needed to expand my emotional intelligence capacity as well, because, um, you know, it's one thing to roll out a small project with a few people that you know well. It's a little more difficult with a larger project with some people that maybe you haven't had time to build that rapport with. And so it certainly is um, a never-ending journey. Um, and it's exciting to think that if I, if I keep learning this, if I keep growing, it's an area that I can continue to get better as a leader. All right. Thank you for sharing. It's comforting to know that we're not the only people who are going through this or who went through this previously. So I appreciate the advice. <laughs> um, so my next question for you is how does strong emotional intelligence help with ensuring you have successful, crucial conversations when they're needed? Yeah, honestly, this is where emotional intelligence is the most valuable. And so if, if you're not familiar with crucial conversations for our listeners. Uh, that's a conversation where your opinions about a situation differ and there are emotions that are involved and the stakes are pretty high. And so that's the definition of a crucial, crucial conversation. And so as you can tell, crucial conversations require a leader to be on their A game. I mean, if you misread somebody's tone or meaning, or if you start out, too forceful or too passive, it can derail the whole conversation. So if you watch an excellent leader as they handle a diff difficult conversation, it's kind of like watching an artist that creates a masterpiece or, or like watching a top level athlete that's just dominating. I mean, it's, it's a great thing to watch because a good leader who, is, who has strong emotional intelligence skills can handle these difficult conversations so well. So they can be scary. They are something that most of us are probably not excited to wade into. But if you have honed your emotional intelligence skills over time, you're actually well equipped. And this is a really important role you can play as a leader. I think that's super helpful for residents and new practitioners to hear too, because even though we may not necessarily encounter a lot of those conversations during our first couple of years, as we get into our first job, we're really into the workforce. We definitely need to be able to have those skills as well. So my last question is, we've talked a lot about emotional intelligence, how it relates to us in pharmacy leadership and how it relates to crucial conversations. So what advice do you have for new practitioners to develop emotional intelligence? And do you recommend any resources to learn more? Sure, absolutely. The first step is to learn about it and to understand all of the specific aspects of emotional intelligence. And so from there, you start out by doing an honest self-assessment to think about what areas are strengths and what areas are weaknesses. And even just being aware can make a big difference. 
I'd say the next step is to be curious about every situation where you find yourself. So for example, if you're sitting at your desk and procrastinating an important project, it probably never happens to you, but some of us struggle with that. You can ask yourself, why? Why am I, why am I procrastinating on this? Why am I not just jumping in and getting this done? And oftentimes you'll find it relates to one of the aspects of emotional intelligence. Or another example, after a tense meeting, you can think about what went well, and you can think about what didn't go well, and you can speculate how it could have been handled differently or maybe handled better. And so now this part's hard, but it's important. Let's say that you have a situation that just goes badly. Uh, you have a project where your partner doesn't think that you pulled their your weight, or, or maybe a conversation you have and, and it doesn't end well. So if you have a situation that goes poorly, give yourself a few hours to breathe and then take that opportunity to, to look inward and identify ways that you may have contributed to that situation. And I found that these difficult situations, even when let's say 90% of the blame falls on the other person, these situations are the most valuable lessons that where I can learn about my own emotional intelligence. And if I'm, if I have the courage to wade into that and really evaluate, uh, it helps me to grow and it helps me to learn. It's not comfortable, but it, it helps me to get better. I really try to approach every day and every interaction and every project as an opportunity to learn more about myself and about others. So the next step is something that you described earlier, which is to invite your supervisors, um, if you're in, in residency or in a training program or an, a new employee and you're still in training, ask those around you or maybe even a trusted friend to give you feedback about this. You know, hopefully this will be part of your annual evaluation. And as a resident, it'd be part of your monthly evaluation, I would hope. But you can also ask for feedback throughout the month and throughout the year. Once in a while, if, if I'm on a conference call and and it gets done, and one of my colleagues was on the same call, I'll walk over and go into their office and say, hey, do you, do you think I could have handled that differently? Or do you have any advice for how that could have gone better? Most people are actually pretty hesitant to give you direct, honest feedback. So if you don't ask for it, you know, a lot of people just won't give it to you. And so you have to model an attitude of growth and an attitude of openness to show them that you really do want to hear what they have to say. So it is hard not to take that kind of feedback personally, but if you can do it, you will show them and prove to them that you're more interested in growing as a leader than you are in hearing them say nice things about you. And so then those are ways that you can grow and learn and improve at work, but it doesn't have to be just at work. Emotional intelligence is just as important in our personal lives. And so we can be continuously honing our skills uh, even when we're not at work. I like to say that being a pharmacy leader is making me a better husband and dad, and that being a husband and dad is making me a, a much better pharmacy leader. So it's, it's all related, and every situation you're in is an opportunity to learn from your mistakes and, and continue to get better. Then the other thing I would say is there are a lot of good resources out there. And so if I were to narrow it down to three books, there's three that I'd highly recommend. And the first one is by Daniel Goleman. It's called Working with Emotional Intelligence. And that's where I've learned uh, the most about this and the uh, excellent 
categorization of the different aspects of emotional intelligence. The second book that I really like is by Brene Brown, and it's called Dare to Lead. And it pulls in a lot of concepts from all of her research and applies it to the, the leader and how to use her concepts practically at work. And then the third book is Crucial Conversations, which we mentioned in one of the questions. And that really walks you through how to use a lot of these emotional intelligence concepts in this specific setting of a difficult conversation where the, where the opinions differ and where your uh, emotions are involved and where the stakes are high. And so just reading those books and, and learning more about the concepts is a great way to understand more about this topic. Wow, thank you so much for all those resources and for the practical advice that I know I'm definitely going to try to apply to the rest of my residency and as I enter the workforce with my first job as well. All right, that's all the time we have for today. I want to give a special thanks to Nathan for joining us to discuss the really important topic of emotional intelligence and his experiences in developing this skill as a pharmacy leader. You can find more member-exclusive content such as resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises, and teams and practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you so much for joining us and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP Official Podcast. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.